0: being here today as they've been singing. It's, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it, to, to know the Lord. I was sitting back there <coughs> excuse me, just now thinking that this year makes me 40 years that I've been a Christian. I'm, I'm already starting to get emotional. I'll get over this in a minute. <coughs> been a good journey it's been a good journey we've uh, we've studied prophecy Renee we went through the faith movement that's good I've learned a lot about that we've went through the prosperity movement and boy that's been great as well but I was thinking, it seemed like the more I learned, the less I know. Forty years, Michael, and, and I sometimes wonder, have I learned very much? You know, sometimes I think, and I, if they put it up, what we're going to talk about today, I don't know if they have that or not, but uh, sometimes I think that we need to just move back down to the elementary level and start over. Do you ever feel that way? Uh, I read a statistic, actually. I saw it on, uh, I was listening to uh, Matthew Hagee this week. You can be seated if you like. And uh, he gave a statistic on there that was from the, Pew Research Council. You've probably heard of that before. And uh, I looked it up for myself. And it said that this research said that 72% now listen to this. This floored me. This floored me. 72% of people in America that identify with christianity say that there's other ways to get to heaven except through jesus christ now you think about that i'm talking about christianity people that identify with christianity 72 percent say there's at least one other way that you can get to heaven or maybe several ways I mean, you can read this for yourself if you dudes Googling on Pew Research. And, and I was floored with that. I thought, where is the church? Where is Christianity going? I mean, have we forgot that the Bible plainly says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Amen? No man comes to the Father except by me. So today, uh, and, and I was going to say this as well, we were up here praying. I don't know, it's, it was sometime during the fast, and uh, I was having a hard time praying. That night, I was so emotional, I couldn't, I couldn't pray, but I was overflowed with the idea of relationship, Renee, and I, I couldn't get away from that. I went home, and, and, and I went to bed, and I must have laid there two hours thinking about that. And how important, church, that it, and this is what I want us to talk about today, is staying close. I mean, with such statistics as, as this, and of course I know that this is not, if I ask everybody in here, you, you would know better than that. Thank God. Thank God that we live in West Virginia. I tell people that all the time. I mean, there's some of the most radical views out in our society today that it absolutely floors me. I've got more statistics, but I'm not even going to read them to you today. But, but any, anyway, I was, uh, we were praying up here on that Wednesday night, and I, I, just, I just felt so, so convinced that we need to have a better relationship with God. We need a closer relationship with God. I mean, we've learned so much over the years. As I was saying, we've learned so much about the things of God and, and about the different uh, you know, things that people have taught on down through the years and kind of specialized in these dis- different areas in Scripture. But but I think sometimes we need, need to just get back to the basics and develop a more and a stronger relationship with God and and just stay close. I mean, just stay close to Him. You know, uh, I, I, uh, have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, you got to stay close to the Lord, right? right? There was one one particular instance in the Bible where that Peter falling afar. See, we can't follow afar. We got to stay close to the Lord, and that's kind of what I want us to talk about today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn into the book of Hebrews. We're going to begin in Hebrews. In chapter 4. Verse 14 through 16. And I want us to read this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or confession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need so I have a little outline here and I, I want us to begin with privilege as you noticed in those verses of scripture right there uh you and I receive the greatest invitation that we'd ever received in our lives. It's a great invitation that God has given to you and I, and it is such a privilege today to be able to access the throne of an almighty God. Now, we know that God is everywhere, right? God is an omniscient God. God is everywhere. He's, he's all around us. But at the same time, I want us to picture God today sitting on his throne in a great big throne room somewhere out there in the heavenlies, and Jesus Christ, his son, sitting at his own right hand. I want us to picture that today. And it is such a privilege that you and I have today that we can enter directly into the throne room of God that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Somebody said, well, now the grace message, you've got to be careful with it because you'll give people a, a, a license to sin. No, grace don't give you a license to sin. Grace gives you and I a way out of sin. Grace provides for you and I a way that we can enter into the throne room of God and we can obtain grace and find mercy to help in the time of need. And those are the two things that are still essential for the church today. Now that sounds kind of elementary to somebody that's been a Christian for 40 years to still need to rely on grace and mercy. Well, you see, folks, I haven't arrived yet and you haven't either, right? Right? We're still on our journey. So it is such a privilege. I mean, let me, let me just mention the, uh, the tabernacle and the Old Covenant. There was a... There was a, 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 a the tabernacle was there and you had the, the inner court and then you had the Holy of Holies. You know this story. But there was a giant curtain that was there between the holy place and the Holy of Holies, and it separated common man from getting into the presence of God. There was no way on earth that an Israeli during that time would even dare to try to get into the presence of God. He just was not permitted there. And usually under, in, 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 the, in, in the ancient times, under the ancient rulers, you could never enter into the throne room Under any circumstances, unless you was a close advisor or somebody like that, the common man could just not get into the throne room. Under the old covenant, the common man just could not enter in to the presence of God. It was only allowed by the high priest and that one time a year during the day of atonement that he would go in behind the curtain and offer a sacrifice for the sin of the nation of Israel. And he didn't do that without first offering sacrifices for himself because if he went in there unclean, he would never make it back out. It was that serious in that day and time. But if you read in the scripture when Jesus Christ was crucified, the Bible says the veil was torn from top to bottom. What a privilege. So it is said according to history that the the, the veil was some 60 to 90 feet tall from what I could find out. It was a huge curtain. It was a huge veil that was in the temple. And of course God... You know, was represented in behind that curtain into the holy of holies, and when that veil was rent from top to bottom, it gave you and I. It was you know, it gave you and I access into the throne room of God. It signified that now we have access. We are privileged to enter right into the holy of holies, into the very presence of God. To ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. So to me that is, that is such a great privilege. So as we look on down through this scripture. As we look at verse 14 again. I want us to look at Jesus Christ as our high priest. Have you ever thought about what Jesus is doing Sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's been sitting there now for how many years? Over 2,000 years, hasn't he? When he left this earth, the Bible says here in verse 14 that he, he passed through the heavens and he's our great high priest and he says now to let us hold fast our profession or hold firmly to our confession. So what do, you th- what do you suppose he's doing there? I mean, I've thought about this an awfully lot. And I'm not really sure exactly everything that he is doing. There's one thing I know that Roman or, uh, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says he's the, high, he's the apostle and he's the high priest of our profession. So I know this much. You and I as Christians today, we need to hold fast to our confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord and above Him there is no other. Amen. Amen. You see, Satan would try to get you off of that if he could. He would try to get you and I to compromise our profession of faith and, and, and cause us to start rationalizing, rationalizing our, our profession. Evidently that's happening in our society today when the 72% of the Christian community don't even know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can enter the, enter the kingdom without Him. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. So we know that He has made an atonement for our sin We know that he did that. But he's also dealing with your and my sin today. If he wasn't, he wouldn't have invited us, you know, to obtain grace and mercy to help in our time of need. So we know that he's our high priest. Let's look what else he is. He's also our Intercessor. He's our intercessor today. Romans 8 and 34 says this It is clear, or it is Christ that died, rather, that was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. An intercessor is a person who intervenes on behalf of another. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. We've got somebody that's intervening on our behalf. That's what the Bible says he's doing now. That's what he's doing today. And I mean, I don't really know exactly how that this takes place. But, but you know, he might be sitting there beside the Father. And he might look over and he'd say, now, there's my son right there. I mean, he, he, he needs a little help right here. Let's intervene for him. I mean, we need it every day. I mean, the Bible makes it plain and clear that, you know, that, that we're going to have struggles along this way. You know, we haven't lived, we haven't been Christian for 40 years and never made some bad mistakes. I guarantee you I haven't. And I'll probably make plenty more if, if, if God lets me tarry. But I thank God that I've got an intercessor that intercedes on my behalf. He intervenes on my behalf. Listen to what 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says. If any man sin... well, Right before that, you know, John said, I write these things that you sin not. But he said, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous... And he is the propitiation or the atonement for our sins. Our sins, right? And not ours only, but also for the whole world. There's another legal term we find in that scripture. It's the word advocate. It's one who pleads the cause of another before a tribunal or a court. So he pleads the cause for you and I in his priestly ministry as he's seated at the right hand of God Almighty in the throne room, in the throne room. Hebrews 7 and 25 says this, Wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost them that draw near to God by him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. So he's our intercessor. He's our high priest in that ministry. He is our intercessor. He's also our mediator. And all these terms are similar, but they're a little different. 1 Timothy 2 and 5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Amen. He is our arbitrator. He's the middleman. Think about that. I mean, had it not been for Jesus, you and I would never had access to the presence of God. Jesus Christ paid the full price. He paid. I mean, he satisfied the righteous requirements of God, and He has made it possible that you and I can come to the throne of God in our time of need. Now I wonder so many times why we don't spend more time there. Oh God, this is what I'm trying. This is the message that I want to get across to you and I today: is a personal relationship with God. Like I said, this is so elementary. I mean, we, we were taught this way back when, Renee. We were taught this way back in the very beginning. But sometimes I look around and I wonder, I wonder if we really have a personal relationship with God like we should. I wonder about it. And, and, and like I said, I was, as I was praying that night, the Lord just impressed me with that so strong. How we need a better relationship. How we need to stay close. I mean, we live in a society today that has so much influence on us in the negative direction. I mean, it's always pulling at us. Pulling us to the right and pulling us to the left. Pulling us away from the things of God. That's just what society is doing to you and I today and society, my friend is getting worse and worse. I'm telling you I mean I, I guess I watch too much news but but everybody heard about I mean in Virginia this week there was a, a bill that was brought up in Congress wanting to, you know, take abortion to the very, to the very limits. I mean, even, even to the point that the child could be born, and then the mother could make a decision. You know, the governor said, we'll, we'll, we'll give the baby comfort. We'll give the baby comfort care. I mean, we'll wrap the baby up, and we'll put it over here in comfort care. And then the mother can decide whether or not she wants to keep it or not. If she don't, we'll just let it expire. God, where's this nation heading to, my friend? That just, that is barbaric. It it just, my mind can't even comprehend such a thing. And believe it or not, a large portion of the Christian community... Well, I wasn't going to read you this statistic, but now I am. Listen to this. 60% of those that attend church only a few times a year, they don't take their salvation if they have any. They don't take it seriously. They don't hardly ever attend church. They listen to the world system. They listen to everything that's going on out there. If you listen to that joke enough, it'll get on the inside of you. It will. So 60% said that it should be legal in most cases. Now, I'm not talking about the world, Renee. I'm talking about the Christian community. I'm talking about people, now, now once again, this is according to the research that I read. I'm not saying that's true or false, I'm just telling you what I read. But I know, I know it's partially true, because I listen to enough, uh, you know, focus on the family and, and, and things like that, enough to know that, that it, this is true. So, 60% of those that just go to church a few times a year, don't take their Christianity serious, should be legal in most cases. of those that attend at least once a week and take their Christianity somewhat serious, 33% still believe that it should be legal in most cases. Well, I'm just reporting you decide. So that is why I'm saying today that, that, you know, We just need a good relationship with God. We need to stay in the Word. I mean, we're tempted. We are so tempted today by all these many different things. You know what temptation really is? It's pressure on the flesh to get you off the Word. That's what a temptation is. It's pressure, tremendous pressure on your flesh to get you off the Word. It's tremendous pressure to get you off your confession of faith compromise, compromise. We can't compromise, church. We can't compromise. So Jesus is our middleman, right? So let's talk a little bit more about verse 16 if we can. First of all, he says, let us come boldly. No feeling of fear or inferiority. That's really what that means. No feeling of fear or inferiority. Now to the Hebrew people that really meant something. Because they weren't used to this kind of thing. They were used to not being able to go in at all in the presence of God. As we were talking about a while ago. They were not able to go into the Holy of Holies. So when the writer here says to go boldly into the throne room of God. They must have been a little apprehensive. There must have been some fear on their part. So here, here the writer is saying that we can come boldly. And of course we can apply this unto ourselves as well. We can come boldly or without any feeling of fear or inferiority. We can approach the throne of God. So we come boldly, number one. Also we have confidence. We come with confidence into the presence of God. Listen to this. In 1 John 5 and 14 it says this. It says, This is the confidence. Now get a hold of this. This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And we know... That whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desire of Him. So we can come to the throne of God with great confidence today that what we pray, God's going to hear us. How many times do we just kind of give up? Oh God, we just kind of give up sometimes, don't we? But we can't give up. We cannot give up in bringing our petitions before the throne room of God because John says this is the confidence that we have in Him that He heareth us when we pray. So we got to keep that confidence, church. we got to keep our confidence in God. So we come with confidence. We come without fear. James 1 and 5 says this, God gives to all men liberally. <laughs> thank God. God give, You know, God's a liberal giver, isn't He? Amen. Oh, thank God. God is a liberal giver. God has given to you and I more than we can even comprehend. And we just need to be thankful and grateful for what He's given us. Right. So it says, He gives to us liberally and he upbraideth not he finds no fault, no rebuke or no resentment he don't find no fault he don't find no fault I mean you can go to God and he, you know, you can go to God without fear (laughs) you know a lot of people and I've heard this said before that they're afraid they're afraid to have any dealings with God they're afraid to hit them over the head Hit will over the head of the club. God's not going to hit nobody over the head of the club. God is a liberal giver. And when you go to Him, it says that He finds no fault. Why does He not find fault? Because Jesus took care of that. Jesus has taken care of that. He's sitting there at the right hand of the Father in His priestly ministry position. He's taking care of all that for you and I. So we come without fear. We come with expectation. We come with anticipation. Do you anticipate when you go to God that you're going to get an answer? Do you expect God to do something for you when you ask Him to do something for you? See, we got to be that way, don't we? We got to keep on keeping on. We got to keep on believing. You know what? That's really what faith is, isn't it? The Bible said that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith just keeps on believing. Faith never relents. Faith just, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's really hard, Michael. We've all been there. You know, but, but, but you know, Jesus said to ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. One translation of that says ask and keep on asking. Seek and just keep on seeking. Well, you know that's what we have to do. Just search and keep on searching. So we just have to keep on keeping on. Keep on trusting in the Lord. Keep on being a follower. Keep on following close. Don't get over there on the outside somewhere. Don't follow God afar off, but let's follow God closely. Let's develop a good relationship with God. Let's come with expectation. Let's come with anticipation. Let's come often. Let's stay close we got to stay close. We can't afford to drift from one side to the other church. We just can't. There's too many things out there that will distract us. And I know we're humans. I know how we are. I'm one myself, see. I mean, it's so easy to get your mind off on somewhere else and you won't be focusing on the things of God. You'll be focusing on everything else. And it leads to compromise. It leads to bad living in many cases. It leads to following after the flesh and not after the spirit. And that's exactly what will happen. If we don't stay close, if we don't don't follow the Lord closely and enter the throne room of God regularly and develop a close relationship with God, we'll be living after the flesh and not after the spirit. It's just that simple. That's exactly what will happen. So we got to come often. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Very familiar scripture. But it's a dandy. It it is such a good scripture. For me, it's right up there with the sweetest words he ever said was, I forgive. Those were good words, weren't they? This is this is good stuff right here, too. This is good stuff. You know, you know, some people they feel so unworthy. You ever feel unworthy? Sometimes you just kind of feel unworthy to even go to God. I don't know why. You just kind of feel that way. I, I've talked to a lot of folks on the job. Of course, I don't do that much anymore. I spend most of my time with my lovely wife now. And uh, we're close. See, it, 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 that's, what a, that's what relationship is. My wife and I are close. Oftentimes, you see us sitting back there during church. We're sitting there holding hands most of the time. We're sitting there holding hands. We're close. Well, I mean, there's really no difference in your relationship with your spouse and your relationship with God. You got to stay close. I mean, I mean, if my wife and I don't stay close. Well, you know what happens. You know what happens to, to folks that don't stay close, Michael. They end up in divorce. I'll give you a statistic statistic on that if you want to hear it. Fifty percent of all all, all, all of, of society ends up in divorce. Fifty percent of children uh, Christians end up in divorce. What do you think about that? Statistic. It's an effort for me to say that, Renee. I mean, destiny. So if you don't stay close in, a, in your personal relationship, you're going to end up in trouble. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? So if you don't stay close to your Heavenly Father... If you don't develop a good personal relationship with the Lord, you're going to end up in trouble. You're going to end up out there nowhere land, no man's land somewhere. You just can't you just can't you just can't survive like that. I mean, it's just hard. It's just hard to be a half-hearted Christian. You don't want to come to church. Church isn't any fun to a half-hearted Christian. It's just not. You know, if you don't really really have a good relationship with God, you're sure not going to have much relationship with the church. I, I don't mean to be meddling, but Lord, I know how this works. I mean, after 40 years of this, I know how this works, believe me. I love to fish better than anything. And, and I, I mean, and I probably said this before. There's a lot of Sunday mornings, Michael, especially when I worked. It do not matter now. But when I worked, I worked six days a week. And there would have been a lot of Sunday mornings that I would love to got my boat and headed out to the lake. Now, there's not anything wrong with that. But you can't do that four weeks in a row. You can't do that six weeks in a row. You can't get to church. And do that, especially when you work all the time. So you got to get your priorities straight. Simple stuff, elementary stuff I'm talking about today. This ain't a bit deep. There's nothing deep about this message today. But this is where we're at today. This is where we're at today. That's why I said sometimes, and, and, and I hope Brian will probably shoot me for saying this. If he heard, if he heard me, but sometimes that's why I think sometimes we need to start all over from scratch, and 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 build the thing again, and just teach, and just and just go over some elementary stuff, simple things that we need to do. Because I'll tell you right now, if we don't get if we don't get the simple things right first, the rest of the things ain't gonna ever happen anyway. I mean, we're not, going to receive, we're not going to receive the great blessings of God, you know, living way over yonder in the left field somewhere. this just don't happen that way. You know, the Bible is plain on that. It says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, God's a good God, and I'm going to read to you in just a minute, if I get around to it, how good he is to us. But the Bible said, you know, the law of of sowing and reaping is is an eternal thing. You know, we lived under, you know, there was the law and now there's grace. But the law of sowing and reaping went through both. You understand that? It's a different law. One was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. But the Father gave the law of sowing and reaping way back when in Genesis somewhere. So here's what that law says. It says, whatsoever a man soweth, what? That shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Paul said that. And he said, if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to, of the Spirit, reap life everlasting. So if I want to receive the benefits of my Heavenly Father, I've got to sow to the Spirit. And the only way that you and I will sow to the Spirit is stay close to God, stay close, develop a close personal relationship with the Lord Himself or just as sure as you're sitting there, you'll be out there so into the flesh. You can't do nothing about it. You just can't. So let's read. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now right here is is one of the most beautiful scriptures that you'll find on, on the doctrine of substitution and imputation. It says that Jesus was made our sin offering. So what he did, it was the righteous for the unrighteous, wasn't it? Here was a man that had never committed any sin. Paul said, there, or, or, or Peter I believe it was, said there was no guile ever found in his mouth. It was a, He was a very righteous person that gave his life for the most unrighteous person ever was. Well, here's what the Bible said happened in, in, under the law in, in, in Romans. He said, I think it was chapter 3, He said, there's none righteous, no, not one. The law, as I said a while ago, was given by Moses. And under the law, there was no righteousness. Couldn't couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. The Bible said, by the works of the flesh, could no man be justified. There was no justification under the law. I'm telling you, under the law, it was a hard day's work for a a day's pay, if you know what I'm saying. It was all about work. It was all about performance. If you got anything from God under the law, you did it by working for it. That's just the way it was. But to the contrary... Under the grace and truth message, you can't do anything to inherit that. Work just doesn't get it done. So you and I have been made the righteousness of God in Him. So we are righteous because we're in right standing. We're in right standing with the Father through Jesus Christ. And righteousness has been imputed unto us. It's just been accounted to us. So, you know, if I say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's what I am. That's what the Bible says I am. And and, and that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm perfect. That doesn't necessarily mean that I've arrived. That just means positionally in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So under the law, you know, it was based on performance and works. But under grace, we're in right standing with God, not by works lest any man should boast. We are saved, the Bible says, by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. So you and I are saved today by the gift of God, right? It's, it, it's His gift It's his gift today. So we are in right standing. So I I, I wanted to throw that scripture in because, you know, there's a lot of people they don't really feel worthy to go to the throne of God. I used to work with a lot of people. Did I tell this? I started to. I think I didn't. I think I got sidetracked. (laughs) You would talk about them becoming a Christian and they'd say, well, I would love to be a Christian but I just don't think I could live it. You ever hear people say that? I just don't believe I'd be able to live that. Well, you know what? You can't live it. You can't live it. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when you make a mistake, you run to daddy. When you fall down, Michael, you get back up and you run back to Daddy. I thought about the scripture, and I think about <laughs> I think about this scripture a lot. Where Jesus sat up on the mount and he looked over the city of Jerusalem. And you know, what he said, "Oh Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a hen doth her brood, but you would not." Have you ever seen a mother hen? I know Joe Holly has. He he's raised on a farm in Joyce. A lot of you have probably. See, I was raised around chickens. I know Mother Hen will be running around the barnyard with, with her little, we call them duties, <laughs> the little chicks. And, and it just looked like a storm was moving in. I mean, they would just run as fast as they could, and, and they'd gather up under her wings, and she'd just kind of gather them all in like that. That's what Jesus was referring to. And he's referring to you and I the same way today. I mean, you know, when when we have problems, when we have need of mercy and grace, we run to the Father. We run to the throne room. We go in boldly. You know, we don't want to stay away. The worst thing we can do is run some other direction, and that's so oftentimes what people do. They'll get in trouble, and they just run deeper and deeper into trouble. It's like telling one lie and telling another lie to prop it up. I mean, they just keep running deeper and deeper and deeper into trouble. Got to cut it off right there and run back the other way. Run back to the Father. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. I mean, I mean, so many people think, well, I can't live it. I'd love to be a Christian, but I just can't live that way. Why? You sure can't. You sure can't. You can't either. I mean, I mean, we can. Do, you know, I can do nothing without Christ in me. He gives me the strength. I mean, He gives me the encouragement to keep on keeping on and staying close, going to the throne room, going to the Father, going to the Son, and, and developing a better and better relationship. i got one more scripture. I, I'm, I've been too long, I know, but turn real quickly with me to James. Now, this one right here, you're going to think this is kind of strange. You probably haven't heard this one even read in a long time. But I'm going to make a point right here. James chapter 4, verse (laughs) 4. Look at that, would you? He's talking about adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now he's not talking about going out there and sleeping somewhere where you don't belong. Even though that ain't right either. He's talking about being unfaithful to God right here, Renee, isn't he? He's talking about being unfaithful to God. See, what you got to know about God, God is a jealous God. Israel was unfaithful to God so many times over and over and over again. And, and, and God was jealous for them. Listen, what uh, I wrote it down here, if I can find it. Exodus 34 and 14 says this, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God don't want you out there meddling around in the world. He don't want me out there meddling around in the world, because the very next verse says this, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. Let me read you the Amplified of that verse. And I've always known this because I was taught this years ago what this means. The Spirit that dwells in us yearns over us with a jealous love. God yearns over us with a jealous love. God is a jealous God. And, 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 and when, the, when the writer here is calling us adulterers and adulteresses, he was talking about people that were being unfaithful to God. They were out there in nowhere land. They were being unfaithful. They weren't up close. They didn't have a relationship with with the Lord like they should have had. It'd just be like a husband and wife. Being unfaithful to one another. I mean, if I'm out sleeping with some other woman, I'm going to be considered an adulterer. And Patty's going to kill me more than that. She's going to shoot me stone dead, no doubt. See, you just don't do that kind of stuff. I'm going to, come on, we're Christian folks, right? If we're close, we're not out there doing those kinds of things. Come on. Lord, I'm being hard today. I know I am, but I, God give me this message. I, I mean, I have no doubt. Like I told you, I went home after I was praying right there and I wrestled with this for two hours. I couldn't go to sleep. About two nights later, I woke up during the night and it was the same thing over again. I laid there and I laid there and and all and, and, and many of these scriptures was coming to my mind. I've polished it all up. But, but, you know, he gave me this message three weeks ago. Plain as day. And I thought... I need to share that. But I wouldn't ask Brian. I wouldn't tell him that I had something I wanted to share. Because, you know, he was in the fast and he was a preaching. And, and I wasn't going to say anything. So I said, Lord, if you want me to speak on this, you tell Pastor Brian and I'll do it. Now, this is the truth if I never lived to get down off this pulpit right here. And lo and behold, Monday morning, he calls me. Right out of the blue. Says, Brother Gary, would you want to speak Sunday morning? I said, I sure will. I said, I sure will because I've got something I want to say. Now, I'm not sure how I've delivered this to you today. I hope you've accepted this in, in, in the spirit of love because that's sure the way I mean it to be, in the spirit of love. You know, there was an old movie years ago that you probably don't remember. It Many of you don't. It was called The Love Story. You remember that movie, anybody? There was a line in that movie that said that love means never having to say you're sorry but I would like to advise that a little bit love means always saying you're sorry I mean if, 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 there's, not, if there's a disconnect in your personal life you've got to make it right you've got to get things back together you can't just let it go and go and go and go if you've got a disconnect with your heavenly father you get that thing connected back up Get it fixed back up. I've told you how to do it today. Go to the throne room and get it taken care of today. It don't hurt no... You know what? It takes a man or a woman to say they're sorry. Sometimes I think we need to be like... I don't mean to ramble on. Sometimes we need to be like the lady in the book. It was was found in the book of Luke that Jesus went down to a Pharisee's house to have a dinner with him. And this woman found out he was there, and she goes goes in there. And and, and with her, she takes an an alabaster box of perfume with her and he's in there talking to the folks and she gets down behind him, the Bible says and she take, she's sobbing she's just sobbing, don't you know and she gets down behind him and she rubs his feet with her tears and takes her hair and, and, and washes his feet and then, and it says she kisses his feet. She takes that box and she breaks it, and she pours, and she pours that expensive stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't cheap stuff. It was good stuff. She poured it all over his feet. And you know who she was? Anybody know what she was? She was a prostitute. That's what she was. She was a prostitute. But she humbled herself under the mighty hand of God. Just like James says here. He says, verse 8, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will pick you up. There's nothing wrong with getting humble before the Lord. We just got to get rid of the pride. I mean, there's not, any room, there's not any room in the throne room for pride. I want you to know that tonight, this morning. There's not any room in there for that. We just have to throw ourselves away sometimes. Somebody sings a song, How Jesus Threw Himself Away, and I thought that's the same thing we need to do. My God, I just need to throw myself away. Become selfless sometimes. And get back to God the way that God wants us to do so in closing I'm going to give an invitation I mean I can't say all this without inviting everybody that wants to I would think everybody would want to come up here and say a little something today draw nigh to God and I'm going to say this too the Lord Lord told me to say this too if you don't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit you need to be seeking for it. I remember, and Patty can attest to this, when I got saved, I mean, Ray, you probably remember this too. Every church service, everybody that wasn't feeling the Holy Ghost, some was lined up in the altar. I mean, we was a seeking God with all of our heart. I mean, and back in those days, there was so much tradition. You know, they'd be somebody behind you. They'd be shaking you and 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 trying to help you to get it, which maybe some folks got it. Not because of it, but in spite of it. But I remember I remember when I got the Holy was was filled with the Holy Spirit. I wasn't even in our home church. I was at another church. And I tell you how I I'll tell you how I received it. I'd been praying, man, I'd been praying I'd been fasting. And I didn't know how to, I just I just didn't understand it and I, I just couldn't get it. I just couldn't I just couldn't get there. And I got down one night and I was a praying. Son, I mean, I was, was poured my heart out to God. I went right into that throne room, and I was like that woman that, that got right down and kissed the feet of Jesus Christ. I was, a, I was a praising him with all of my heart, and son, here it came. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got to get serious about God. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, you got to pour your heart out to Him. You got to pour your soul out to him. I mean I'm just telling you that's the way I got it. But but you know it's so important in, 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 in it's so important in my prayer life. It is. It is. So as Anthony sings, I want you to come. I do. I mean, if, if, if you know the Lord, if you don't know the Lord, you can come. If you do know the Lord, I'd love for, I mean, I'd love for us just to have a little, a little prayer time. I'm gonna get right in here and pray. If you got any needs in your life, come. Let's pray today. What do you think? Don't want everybody to get up at once. Let's just pray and draw close, okay? That's my point. Let's just pray and draw close. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.